This month's European elections marked a significant turn in the political winds of Europe. Hi, I'm Justin Guest. Welcome to the Government Department Hot Seat. With us today to discuss these different changes on the continent is Professor Simon Hicks. Thanks very much for being here, Professor. Great, well, let's get started. Some commentators have claimed a massive victory for the European right. Others are saying that that impression is actually inflated. What do you think? Well, there's a difference between the extreme right and the mainstream right. Um, there's been a lot of publicity about the rise of the extreme right in these elections. The British National Party, for the first time, won two seats in Britain. Gert Wilders, uh, an anti-immigrant party in Holland, won four seats. Uh, Jobbik, um, an anti-gypsy party in Hungary, won several seats. And across Europe, it looked like we've seen a rise of the extreme right. It, it, it's not actually clear that that's the case. Um, in these elections, European elections, are always protest elections in which extremist parties do well. So it just happens that this time these parties have made a breakthrough, but there's also been votes for the extreme left as well. We've seen the extreme left do well in Germany, we've seen the extreme left do well in France. So it doesn't look like there's, there's any more extremist voting this time than there is normally in European elections. The big difference, however, is that the centre-right parties have won, have done very well. It looks like the economic crisis at the moment has favoured parties on the centre-right. So whether they're in government or opposition, voters tend to have flocked to them. And this, this, this has been the case in all of the big member states. So we saw that in Britain with the Conservatives in opposition. We've seen it in France, in Poland, in Germany, in Italy, where the centre-right are actually in government. They've done well in these elections despite the fact they're in government. So normally governing parties lose these elections and opposition parties win. But this time round we saw governing parties in several of the big states win and they tended to be parties on the centre-right. Right. Now, correspondingly, the Social Democrats have lost across Europe. Why do you think that is? Well, it's interesting because in every country, Social Democrats, when you know, I talk to them, are saying, well, it's all because of my country. It's all because Labour and scandals around uh, um, expenses in Westminster. In Germany, they say the SPD are the junior coalition partner. They've done badly. In Italy, they say the left have done badly because um, it's a new party that's formed and they need time to get on their feet. And in Poland, they say we've done badly because the party sort of collapsed in recent years. So all across Europe, they come up with a sort of local excuse. Well, something systematic must be going on. And what I suspect is happening is, is that the economic crisis means that the centre-left voters are turning away from these parties because the centre-right have taken on a lot of the baggage of the mainstream centre-left. So centre-right parties across Europe are now saying we're in favour of large public spending programmes to get the economy moving. We're in favour of regulation of financial markets. You know, five, ten years ago they were opposed to these things. So the centre-left, where are they going? They haven't got anywhere to go. So it's their voters who are either voting for these centre-right parties in government saying, yes, that's the policies I'm in favour of, or they're voting for more extremist parties, or voting for green parties. We saw green parties do very well. Um, so green parties or more radical left parties. And some of their voters um, on the lower income groups um, who, who feel threatened by globalisation, by large-scale immigration into Europe and across Europe, and by um, unemployment, rising unemployment, those voters are the voters who are starting to vote for the extreme right parties. We saw that with the, the BNP in the north of England. They were largely ex-Labour voters. Um, Gert Wilders' party in Holland, these are largely ex-Dutch Labour voters. And, and Jobbik in Hungary suggests that those voters are largely ex-Social Democrat voters in Hungary. So it's interesting how these voters on more lower income levels are abandoning those centre-left parties and going more extreme. Mm, the centre-left has had their, their thunder stolen, as it seems. Yeah. Um, how do you think this will affect European policymaking? Um, well, there's a difference between the European level and the national level. So uh, in Brussels, it looks like the centre-right are now going to run the show for five years in Brussels. So we've seen the, the, the mainstream group on the centre-right, the European People's Party, emerge as the most powerful force in the European Parliament. 
it looks like they're going to have a big enough coalition in the European Parliament to push more sort of free market agenda in Brussels than they have done for the last five years. Mm. Um, we've now got, in a sense, unified government in Brussels. We've got centre-right majority in the Commission, centre-right majority in the Council, centre-right majority in the European Parliament. So I think we're going to see the EU pushing quite a sort of liberal free market liberalisation agenda in the next five years. So um, we may see EU moving even more in that direction than it has in, in recent years. At the national level, it's hard to know. I think what, what we're going to see in the, in the coming years, a lot of these social democratic parties are going to have to uh, think about how they react in some way. How do they address the concerns of those voters who are being laid off, of those voters who are feeling threatened by migrants? It's very difficult for social democrats to think about how to address that. But I think what they need to come up with are some kind of policies that get these workers back, get these people back in jobs so they don't feel so threatened by, by migration. And many of those people, many of those voters, weren't even at the polls this time around. Turnout was very low. Uh, turnout was, yeah, turnout was around 40%. Um, turnout has sort of gone on decline um, in these elections, but it's been around 40 to 45% in the last three European elections. So, you know, on, on one hand, you can say these are midterm elections in a national election cycle. Around 40% is not too bad. U.S. congressional midterms are around 40%. Um, local government elections in Britain are around 40%, so it's not that different. But from the European Parliament's point of view, it really does undermine their legitimacy because one of the things the European Parliament rests on in terms of its power in Brussels, standing up against the Commission and standing up against the government, is to say, we speak for the people of Europe. And so the governments can easily turn around and say, well, who's more legitimate? Us, the national governments elected in our country by big turnout, 75-80%, or you, the European Parliament, elected by only 40% of the people. So the European Parliament is worried about turnout, and this, I think, the European Parliament will have to think seriously about how does it address this issue in five years' time. Um, they've let it sort of fester for too long now, um, and, you know, national governments are saying they don't really care about this low turnout because they know they lose these elections in midterm elections, so it's going to be up to the European Parliament to think about how to address this issue. All right, that'll do it. Professor Simon Hicks, you are off the hot seat. Do join us next time for the next edition of the hot seat. Until then, goodbye.